We you basically do quantitative and qualitative research in order to understand how people think. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. It is episode 243, and we have Talia Wolf with us, the founder and chief optimizer at Get Uplift. As founder of Get Uplift, Talia and her team provide conversion optimization services for high growth companies using customer centric methods, emotional targeting strategies, and data driven analysis. Talia has been invited to teach conversion optimization on hundreds of stages, such as Google, MozCon, Call to Action Conference, Search Lab, and many more, and was recently listed as one of the most influential experts in conversion optimization. Talia Wolf, thank you so much for joining me on 20 Minute Leaders. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Chief Optimizer at Get Uplift, what does it mean to be an optimizer? <laughs> well, we help uh, brands, high growth brands, optimize their funnels and their websites. So essentially turning more of their traffic into customers, leads, uh, users, and so on. So the idea is to leave the traffic as is and basically optimize the website, whether if it's the copy, the user experience, the journey itself, mm. the visuals, and so on, and run A-B tests in order to see wow. what actually increases conversions. So it sounds exciting. Conversions are incredibly challenging, and I'm excited to learn more about, about the space, about the challenges, about the creative solutions around it. But even more exciting than that is, is jumping from a plane. So Talia, how do you get to do a thousand, <laughs> a thousand jumps from an airplane? How does that happen? You have to be crazy. No, um, I don't know. I... <laughs> I went to see some. I went a friend. I went to see a friend of mine jumping out of a plane. She was doing a course. I saw it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this seems cool. And that was basically it. Um, yeah, I've I've skydived. Actually, I've skydived a lot in the U.S. too. So um, in the area of California, quite a bit, and wow. in, where else? Chicago. <laughs> but why do a course? I mean, I you know I, I, I skydived twice or three times, and and you know it's an exhilarating journey. It's a I, I almost pee my pants every time, and I and I keep asking myself why did I do this to myself? Uh, but but then I, I I I'm always happy that I did. But what motivates you to go and do a real course and be certified in that? You know what? It's probably the most amazing feeling you can ever get. And the best feeling for me is that moment when you leave the plane. It's right. not even the fall itself when we're doing all these elaborate cool things or if the, or you know flying a canopy. It's actually that moment when you are leaving the plane. And what's cool about it is that you're, I mean, for me at least, my brain's working 24 hours. So I'm constantly thinking and working and constantly thinking about things. And when you jump out of a plane, there is pure two minutes of nothing. And it's right. not just nothing like a void, it's nothing, it's filled with calm. It's just amazing. And of course there's the adrenaline and all the fun <laughs> and jumping with friends and, and competitions and all that, but the calm, the, I'm not thinking about anything right now. Talia, do you understand this the, moment? Do you understand the absurdity of the of how you're describing that calm feeling of jumping out of an airplane, falling at an acceleration of 10 meters per second, and you're saying, "But it's the calm. It's two minutes of calmness." 
It, it, so who, every, anybody that's listening to this that hasn't jumped off of a plane, I mean, I can testify somewhat. I think you're being completely delusional that it's that it's a calm experience, I and mean, I scream my heart out the whole time. <laughs> uh, but but I'm sure that uh, you know. Hopefully, I'll get to that point one day. I'll I'll, t- I'll, pref- I'll meditate here on the couch in the meantime. Uh, but but thank you, <laughs> you for sharing, that. Talia. Why why is um, conversion so hard? What, what is and what is conversion? First of all, to whoever doesn't necessarily really grasp it. All right. So essentially, when you start a business, whether if it's an e-commerce business or maybe it's a SaaS product, you're trying to get conversions. You're trying to get more sales. Maybe even if you're a consultant, you're trying to get leads. If you're a SaaS company, then you're trying to get users and people to sign up for a free trial or schedule a demo. Those aren't conversions. It's what your company decides on. And you're driving traffic. You're spending a ton of money in ads on Google, on Facebook, or doing SEO or content writing in order to drive as many people as possible to your website or to your landing pages in order to convert people into leads or into uh, signups and so on. And the thing is that for many, many years, most companies spent a lot of money on driving that traffic to the website, but didn't think about what happens when people actually arrive on the website. How do you convince people to sign up? And what's really interesting is that these days we live in a world where we see 40,000 messages a day. I mean, everyone's targeting us. Everyone's trying to get us, get our attention. So how do you actually stand out in that crowd and get your prospect to say, yes, this company looks interesting and I'm not going to go and look at the five other uh, competitors. And that's conversion optimization. It's about optimizing the experience that people go through when they get to your website and funnel so that you can get more conversions. And so what are the main attributes that that would make me as a consumer first of all before we even talk about the the marketing um, me as a consumer what are some of the main rationalizations that i go through uh, or what is the behavior that i exhibit as i'm being targeted that would maybe enforce me to go in one direction or another because i think that that is the foundation of the of, of this whole issue right what how what motivates me i i, I worked with dan Ariely quite a bit with irrational labs and so thinking about consumer behavior has been a, a lifelong passion but but I'm excited to hear your take on from a conversion standpoint. This is 100%. So most times when you think about optimizing for conversion, people think, okay, I'll make the button bigger or I'll change the headline and that's going to work. But actually the process that we've developed, the methodology that I developed is called emotional targeting. And it's exactly based on everything that Dan Ariely does. It's all about understanding how people make decisions. When you understand how people make decisions, their real intent, the different psychological triggers and biases that we have in our brain, it's easier for you to understand what kind of experience someone needs to go through in order to convert. It's never gonna be the same, but you have different target audiences that act in different ways. So if you can understand the pains, the challenges, the different roadblocks that people are going through, and most importantly, the desired outcome, what is that emotional feeling that people are looking for? And I'll give you an example. Please. Uh, You're not buying a t-shirt, you're buying self-esteem. You're not buying, Mm. um, let's say, insurance you're you're not basically you're not buying a piece of paper for insurance you're buying 
security. You're buying peace of mind. And that is that is basically the, the difference between just changing an element on the page and hoping that it will get more signups versus actually thinking about what is that emotional drive? What is the emotional uh, intent behind a decision? And then creating an experience for that. So it's it's it just requires a lot of research and understanding intent and how people make decisions just like you mentioned right how do you get started even researching this so becoming somewhat of an expert in in this idea of rational because the, the, these these analogies that you just made you're not buying a t-shirt you're buying self-esteem you're not buying an, you're not buying insurance as a piece of paper you're buying comfort and peace of mind it's a, it's a it's a process. Not you know. It's not like the average person can just come and say, "Okay, I, I I'm understanding how how people think." How do you get started with that? Yeah. Well, it's funny because when I started out with conversion optimization, I tried the other thing. I tried reading blog posts and following best practices and asking people for their opinion, and that tanked. Like literally, I lost a hundred thousand dollar client because of that. Really? So wow. <laughs> it, well, that's how, you know, when you, when you get started, you try different things and you fail and that's great. That's a life of an entrepreneur. Um, but thanks to those fails and to trying these things in that treadmill of just kind of, it's not even a treadmill, it's a hamster wheel. You keep going over and over trying the same things that don't work. So what I did is I basically started researching how people make decisions in life. And I understood that what was missing was that psychology part of it. So you can't just wake up and say, oh, okay, I know how people think. You have to do method methodological research. So we do surveys and we use heat maps and we do interviews and we use eye tracking and we use data from Google Analytics. And we you basically do quantitative and qualitative research in order to understand how people think. Now, what's good and what's on my side is A-B testing because I can come and say, I think that the emotional drivers are social, um, let's say, uh, it's social image. I want social image as a psychological trigger, which basically means that we want, uh, we care about what other people think about us. On the other side, you could have self image, which is I want to feel better about myself. But let's right. say that we've chosen social image. That's what we want to test. So I'll create a variation that focuses on social image, on the outcome that is social image and how other people will feel about you. And you test it and you see the data that comes in and you see if it works and if it doesn't. And even if it doesn't, you've still learned something. So it's really just about research and testing all the time. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. So talk, walk me through, you know, the process, you're, you're getting a new client and you're starting to work. And, and obviously, I think one of, the, one of the impressive things here is that you have to context switch all the time between different types of clients, right? One time it's a social image, another time it's, it's, a, different, it's, it's a different trigger or, or cognitive bias that you're trying to invoke. And so what is the process that you and your team have to go through in order to, you know, first of all, optimize yourself towards that problem and then the process with that company of actually finding a solution that satisfies? Yeah, that's a great question because there's also biases that we live in, right? Even right. when we go to analyze things, we have our own biases and the things that we think are gonna work. Um, one of the things that we do is when we start working with a new client is we split the work between different people in the teams. Mm. Um, so for example, if we do an audit on a website, then a lot of it includes running surveys, interviews, 
something called something called review mining, competitor analysis, SWOT, all that stuff. But we get different people doing it, and then we compare right. our notes and see if we reach the same conclusions or or similar conclusions. So it's a process that really begins with people and ends with people. Um, and I can tell you that. With various companies and clients that we've worked with, we've found that many times, without talking to each other throughout the process, we'd each come with our own conclusions that turn out to be very similar. And if they're not, then we'll propose two different tests.、Mm. So it's a very cool way to go about the research and to say, okay. Here's what we're looking. Here's what we're seeing on the website. We're also using、uh, qualitative—sorry, quantitative data. So we know what's going on. We know how people are behaving on the、right. website. Now we have to basically attach the psychological part to it. So it's、right. research and testing all the time. Sure. And and how early、uh, do you usually work with the companies? Are they are do do the are these companies that are already you know huge and they have thousands of potential customers, or are these also startups that are just trying to get their product market fit and understanding what is the product that we should be aiming for given a target audience that we believe in? Yeah. So for our client work, we usually work with companies that have a minimum of three hundred conversions a month. And we do that because in order to run a viable test, a, st a statistically significant test, we need to have about 150、uh, conversions per variation. So that is the best fit. So it's usually more high-growth companies. However, we do have courses, and when we do the courses and the trainings, they are for、uh, more of the entrepreneurs and startups that are just getting started and want to learn how to do these things themselves, so they can set themselves up for success, and then later. So hopefully, when they get to that stage, they can always hire us in order to take them to the next level. Right, and that makes a lot of sense. So, what are some things that early stage companies, young entrepreneurs, can already do as they're building their product, as they're gaining conversions, in order to get into this conversion optimization mindset? Because obviously, it's it's great to be able to come in and and have you know get uplift, come and and help when you're at hyper growth. But it sounds to me like this is almost like a strategy or or a A talent that you want to improve on, on every step of the journey as the as the leader in the company. A hundred percent. You know what's really cool is that being that small startup that's just getting started, even if it's in a very crowded industry, gives you a lot of advantage.、Um, and the advantage is that you are leaner and you can move fast and you can do your research, which a lot of companies now that are huge and are very big and very well known don't have the capacity or time to do, or even the people. To do it, and even if they did imply you know, start doing it, it would take them a whole year. You, as a startup or a founder, can already start running those those researches in terms of surveying your、uh, your potential customers, doing interviews, doing the jobs to be done framework. Google that; it's a super important、uh, framework to do. You could be、uh, interviewing people. You could be doing review mining. You can really go deep. And what's really cool about this process is that you end up filing, finding your unique selling proposition,、right. and that unique selling proposition is going to help. Help you actually stand out in front of all those competitors and big,、um, the big companies in the industry.
industry. So you can get started immediately by going back to basics. And before you start planning any landing page, any ad, or even your website, first do the research in order to understand who your customer is, what their desired outcomes are, what are their pains and concerns, and make sure that everything that you create is about the customer. It's about them and their desired outcome. Right. I, I was actually introduced to a, the, getting, a, the job that needs to be done a, back at a venture capital class at Stanford. But, but I would love for you to, to tell us a little bit about, about this concept and about this, this mentality as, as a founder or an entrepreneur thinking about what is the job that needs to be done with a customer at the forefront? What is that framework? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what you're trying to figure out is what is the job that your prospect is trying to get done with your uh, solution. Right. Um, and I think that many times people think, oh, you know, if they're using a, let's say they're using Slack, they're trying to get work done or Trello, they're trying to manage their projects. But it's rarely that simple. It's not that they're trying to manage a project, it's that they're trying to maybe save time, maybe reduce friction within the company, maybe they're trying to, they're, essentially what they're doing is they're trying to get to an end result. That is the desired outcome I keep talking about. The easiest way to explain this is that if you are a parent and you are now thinking about uh, buying a product for your child, so maybe it's a toy, maybe it's something that they need to build, or maybe you're planning a birthday party for your child, there's a lot of things that come into place here. It's not just about the act of, here, I now have plates for the party, or I now have a toy to give to this kid. It's more about that desired outcome and what's going to happen at the end. My kid is going to be happy, or other parents are going to know that I am a great parent, or I'm going to feel great about my parenting skills. So it's always about that job that people are trying to get done. And there's a cool framework that really helps you. What's good about this specific framework is just that it takes you away from the personas, which is 90% made up. Um, and then it, go, it takes you into a real way to framework and understand who exactly is your customer, what are they trying to get done, and how you should be speaking to them. Right. No, no that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Tali, why are you so excited about this? Why are you so excited about conversion optimization? Uh, obviously, I think it's, it's an exhilarating journey seeing every, you know, every day a different client or every few weeks a different client and, and solving a different problem and seeing that, that impact. But what is, but what is the, where does that passion come from? It's funny that you asked this because I used to run a conversion optimization agency and we sold the agency and I joined a startup company and I worked right. in the startup company as a CMO for about, I don't know, eight months. And the whole eight months, all I wanted to do was conversion optimization. <laughs> and I ended up leaving that company and going back to starting my own wow. consulting business for conversion optimization. So I think, first of all, I found my passion. And I really do love what I do. I love trying to understand people and how they make decisions. And most of all, I love helping my clients. I just really enjoy it and going on that journey with them. So I'm just really passionate about, about, about what I do. Yeah. 
And how much of that would you say of your time you spend on the on the psychological side versus the the quantitative side that you're getting? And when I say the quantitative, I mean the the Google Analytics and the A/B testing with the landing pages and the messaging versus sitting down and saying, okay, like let's figure out what is this cognitive bias that we're invoking? What are the emotions that our user is experiencing? You probably also encourage doing a, a lot of you know user interviews and customer interviews to understand them. But but which which part do you spend more time on usually? Um, it depends. Mostly what happens is we always start with quantitative. So we'll start with Google Analytics and heat maps in order to understand right. where the problem is and what needs mm. fixing. And then we'll use qualitative data in order to answer how to fix that. So Google right. Analytics is a great tool to use in order to understand like, hey, there's a problem on this page or there's a problem in this funnel, but it doesn't tell you why that problem is happening. So then we'll use qualitative data in order to answer that question and figure out, okay, so we know there's a problem on the pricing page, or we know there's a problem in checkout, or we know there's a problem on the homepage. How do we fix that? What is the problem and identifying it and then solving it? So most of the time, the biggest part is the qualitative research because it takes more time and it's about solving a problem. Um, the quantitative is more of an, a way of informing ourselves and understanding what needs to be fixed. Right, no, that makes a lot of sense. By the way, do you have any interesting case study or, or any specific occurrence with an insight as to something that surprised you along the journey that you were working with a client, you were trying to to, to solve some something with, with conversion and, and then you realized that it was something like really weird or obscure that without that research, not, it wasn't necessarily fine? You know, um, one of my recent uh, tests, I worked with a social media marketing examiner, social, mm -hmm. oh my God, social media examiner. The, they've got the social media examiner, which is the blog and the social media marketing world, which is their conference. Right. So SME, which is social media examiner, uh, one of the biggest blogs in the world for uh, social media, they hired us in order to help them sell more tickets for their conference in San Diego. Um, and when I looked at their landing page, it wasn't actually a, 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 a classic landing page. It's a blog post. It's <laughs> essentially a 5,000 word blog post. Wow. And I was looking at it and I kept thinking, we need to optimize this. We need a classic landing page. We need to, you know, have a header, have this, have real call to action buttons. And, and, and in the end, when we did our research, we realized that the actual people who are uh, coming to this page don't need that at all. Huh. What they actually need is to have this specific blog. And what we did, which was funny, is that after doing this research, we understood that what was missing was even more content. So we added a whole wow. section about the pains that they're going through, all the stuff that isn't working for them, the pains, the roadblocks, their challenges, and basically painted the new picture that could be. And we actually, by just adding more copy to the website, to that page, we actually got a 15% increase in sales. Wow. So it was really cool to see that it's not, it's not always the stuff that you think it's going to be and the stuff that's most like uh, what everyone else is doing. Because any other conference you look at have a really cool, classic looking landing page. And this is very different. So it's cool. that, that's fascinating. Talia, thank you so much for coming and for uh, inspiring me these 20 minutes. Before we leave, I have to ask you the hardest and most important question, which is three words that you would use to describe yourself. Um, okay, I'm going to say passionate because you can hear <laughs> how yeah. passionate I am. Um, 
I'm gonna say dedicated, and I am going to say geek. <laughs> I love that. But the bad word. Passionate, <laughs> dedicated, and geek. Talia, thank you very, very much. This was wonderful. <laughs> uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Same to you. Thank you for having me. Hey.